Welcome, welcome to the Real Life Podcast. Brought to you by Cultivate Network, where we get real with life, leadership, and church planting. Here's your host. So as we dive back in today to the Leadership Pipeline Blueprint, let's focus today is on the why not, but let's look back just for a moment on the why. So last week we talked about the why, and we talked about Matthew 4.19, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, the great command or the great promise from the Lord to the disciples, how he said, you know, I'm going to make you fishers of men. You know, we're going to change your world, I'm going to flip it upside down. And we talked about the why in the midst of all this as we look at leadership pipeline and as we look at church planning. You know, we are called to make disciples, not to have great services. And we discussed that. We talked about a successor and uh, the plan of success. We also talked about delegation, which was not degrading, but it was empowerment and how great that was to see people exercising the gifts that God had given them. And then we followed up also with one of the greatest quotes of the Lord, you will do these works and much greater. So today we're going to dive headlong in on the why not. This one's tough. This one's tough. Because these the why nots are the big things that ever, if you're a human being, these are the things you're going to face. I love the first one, fear. Man, absolutely. Absolutely there's going to be fear. Fear of rejection, right. fear of nobody showing up, fear that, man, I'm going to screw this up. I'm going to make a mess of this. Yep. That's a huge one. I'm going to let you take out on a lot of this, but fear, time, comfort, yep. identity. Uh, my goodness. It's just unbelievable the things that we're going to talk about today. So let's, let's talk about the why not. So why not? We've talked about the why. We know why we should do this. We know why we should encourage others, why we should make disciples. We understand all that. But why not? Why would we not do this? It sounds so simple, especially when we talk this good old church talk. Man, it's easy to stand up, and it's easy to shout it from the rooftops, man. Mm -hmm. Oh, come on. Mm -hmm. But then when it gets to the root, when 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 the rubber hits the road, why not? Why, after we hear these sermons and we feel so pumped up, why do we not actually go out and actually do it? Right. And and so let's settle in on what the this is for uh, somebody who might not have heard the last episode is leadership pipeline. So, so many of our churches across America are centered around a person or a couple people. And... So many are disempowered and become audience members or not necessarily participants, but spectators. And as a result, uh, the church is dependent on this one person. And without that one person, it can't function. And so <clears throat> the, the purpose of, of, of the leadership pipeline, and we're, we're, we're headlong in the middle of a church plant right now in Monticello, Kentucky, and it's, it's going, it's, we're having a great time. We've had bumps in the road and challenges. We're at this phase right now after, after almost two years, what, about right at two years, that we're going to have to focus on leadership pipeline how are we going to develop leaders around us why should we do it we we discovered that last week this week man it's why not why why is it so hard to 
empower people, to develop leaders, and to employ them or deploy them into their giftings and callings. We've covered the gifts. We've covered the gaps. We've covered a lot of things. But this is where the dust meets the road. This is where the tough part comes in. So why not? Why are we not doing it as a church across America? Now, obviously, there's many churches that that, that are successful at, at doing this. But by and large, status quo is no. It's not, not so much. And so when the pastor dies or moves along, then um, who's who's stepping in? When one guy's doing it all and he's burning himself out and, and so many pastors are resigning here in America, so many pastors are considering stepping aside right now because they are carrying the load for everyone. And because of that, the turnover rate's huge. So why are we not doing it? And Anthony, you listed the first one as fear. It's scary to not be the man. It's scary to hand off roles and responsibilities and and tasks and duties and things that people may not do as well as you do or as well as you think you do. Yeah. <laughs> and and so um, I think it was John Maxwell who said that if somebody can do something at 80%, 80% as well as you, let them do it. Let them do it. So... The next one, Ant, and I think you covered fear, is success paralysis. Let me let me let me peel that one back a little bit. This has worked for me for forty years. Why should I change anything? <laughs> well, you've had the same forty people for the last forty years, and those same forty people keep coming and listening and watching. And so, yes, it works for you, but what is it actually doing? It's success paralysis. What we're doing works, so why, why, why would we change and why would I empower people? Because they're really good spectators and they pay their tithes. Why should I do that? It's success paralysis. And so I think it's probably an, an alternate definition of success and an extra biblical definition of success, but it's success paralysis. Man, locked up tight. <laughs> locked up. Success paralysis. So let's let's tear that up more. So what are we afraid of? So, I mean, we see people, because, I mean, you got some that are sitting there, and they've sat there for 40 years. Hey, they're great members. The church has never really grown, and the church is, it, it, it reached 40, and it stopped. But these were faithful. They're faithful, and yep. they keep staying. So where are we failing at? Where is the failure that actually occurs? Because we were supposed to disciple them, and we weren't—they weren't called to sit, but they were called to be sent. So what happened? Ouch. How did this success paralysis set in? Were we happy with status quo, and just kind of locked up and said, "I'm done. I'm happy with my 40." I think that that Anthony, what we see there in across the country is that probably not many of us have seen it modeled. And what we've seen modeled is the model that you just described. Yeah. And because we've always seen that model that way, then it's hard to re- it's hard to repeat something other than what you've observed. Like my kids, my kids don't do what I say; they do what I do. That's exactly. People right. repeat what they observe, and I think that that probably it's it's not because folks don't intend to do well. 
It's because it's not that they're sitting down in their Bible study and saying, you know what, I'm not going to make disciples. I'm not going to deploy these people. I'm not going to do this because I'm going to intentionally try to keep and maintain this. You know, I don't think that's the case. I think that probably most of us haven't observed the actual development and deployment of people. Um, so we don't do it. I tell you, one of the scariest things especially training younger people that come up underneath you and this is in a work setting and even in a, in a church setting in in the actual when you're actually in that leadership role is somebody comes up to you and says why do we do it this way why are we doing this mm. and your response is exactly what you talked about early and we've done this for 40 years but why why did we do it i'll give you an example <laughs> uh at work whenever we're performing lockout tag out there's a specific sequence that we do something up on the roadway to clear it out to make it safe for the public so they don't get involved but for years it was done and nobody really understood why and then one day a trainee came up and they asked they said why are we doing this and nobody knew the answer Mm. it's like well it's just the routine Mm. that's just what we do and the trainee actually went into their exam and said man that's that was that's just a routine that's what they do and then the examiner reached out to somebody else and said, why do you do this? And that was the only person that knew the answer. And they said, well, we do it to protect the public because in time past, the public went up there and did this, they did that. But it mm-hmm. fell apart. Right. It fell apart. That communication fell apart. And you were happy with status quo. Yeah. And you never questioned it, never thought outside of the box, never thought there was another way. Let's just stick with it. It work. If it works, just stick with it. Mm. Is that success paralysis? That's success paralysis. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Ouch. Wow. And Anthony, I think I think what we've done there is we left the why yeah. and we and we 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 settled down on the what mm. and then the what became our why. Yeah. And and that and so what I'm saying that that kind of like a twist of words. Mm. But if we don't start with why and stay with why, then we worship a what. Yeah. And I think that's what we do so many times. We worship a method yeah. versus the master. Ooh. And sometimes we know our method more than we know the master. Mm. And because of that, because of that, our model, we're married to it. Yeah, We're married to our model yeah. of whatever it is, church, Sunday school, discipleship, singing songs, whatever. We're married to our model mm. and not the master. And because Ooh. of that, it brings the success paralysis. Why should we do anything different? This has worked. Has it really worked? That's the question. Jesus said that our goal is to multiply, to make disciples, to deploy people. He said these works you will do and greater. Mm-hmm. Talking to the men that he'd been training. Are we saying that? I'm sorry. I'm on a soapbox right now. Are we saying that to our young leaders, our the people around us, I want to see you do greater things than I've ever done. Yeah. That was what Jesus looked in the eyeballs of these young, crazy, rough around the edges boys, and he said, You're going to do greater things. Mm-hmm. That's hard to say. Why is it hard for a leader to look around? the people around him or her, and say, you and I'm going to be in your corner watching you do greater things than I've ever done. Because it takes something from them. That's my my hat rack, man. That's my thing. That's my wheelhouse. Don't take that from me. Think about that. Think about, honestly, 
Don't take that from me. I'm good at this. But somebody else could be better at it. I go back to what I said last week. If your success plan represents how many times somebody's got to call you to ask you a question, your success plan is junk. You should be multiplying. You should be. You should see these folks be coming up. And you should, I love that thought. Man, you're going to excel where I failed. We're going to face this. These were the challenges I faced. These are, this is what you're going to face. I've not maybe been able to get over it, but I want to show you what I've done to get to this point, and I want you to get over this point. Yep. Don't, don't be paralyzed in your success. Don't go to a point and stop and say, man, I'm done. This is it. Mm-hmm. Man, the sky is the limit. Mm-hmm. It's like we hoard up stuff as leaders, and I've done it. I've done it on the workplace. I've done it on the workplace. And and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to confess. Confession time. Confess your faults before your brethren. And and so I'm confessing something. I've worked at the same place for 13 years, Advent Health Manchester, the hospital. And so there was a period of time where I was a little bit insecure in my job, in my role. I wanted to add value. So what did I do? I learned things that nobody else wanted to learn, and I would hoard up knowledge. I would hoard up knowledge and skills and things that nobody else wanted to do. That's called and a I vulture. Just, that's called a, and that's what I did. <laughs> I hoarded it. And what I did there is I hoarded up all this knowledge, all these things, and, and I held it captive. Mm-hmm. And it came time to train somebody else, and I was like, don't want to tell them my secrets. I don't want to tell them how to do There's all kinds of these shortcuts and things that I learned, and I wanted to hoard it. Why? Because I was insecure about my position and my role. Because I felt like I added value, and if I gave somebody else the ability to add value or exclusively I add value, then all, the, all of a sudden I'm devalued. I'm not important anymore. And I think so many times as leaders we do that. And, and, and it's insubli- it's subliminal. It's not something that we wake up in the morning. I didn't know I was doing that until I – really assess myself Mm -hmm. but but looking back that's what i was doing i was insecure and so i think as leaders in the church we can become so insecure that if i empower other people then i'm devalued yeah i'm not important anymore Mm. i'm if everybody's not looking to me because I'm supposed to be the one everybody looks to no Mm -hmm. jesus christ is the one they look to wasn't about you and it's it's narcissistic. Yeah. It's selfish at its core. Sorry. Classic narcissist. <laughs> <clears throat> Let's go into another one. What about your time? Man, my time's valuable. <sighs> I don't have time to waste to teach you these things. Mm. Uh-oh. We've hit another why not. Because my time costs money, and you don't make enough money to pay for my time. <laughs> <laughs> what about it? Time. How many responses have we got? Have we, as uh, Anthony, you and I, we were just talking about time management. We were just talking about how busy we both are and how that I probably take on too much sometimes. And Anthony does a good job at, at balancing his time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I struggle. <laughs> and I th- so many times we use the excuse, I don't have time. I don't have time. Mm-hmm. It's quicker to do it myself. That's that's a big one. It's quicker to just just knock it out myself because I know it'll be done the way I want it done. Mm-hmm. Keyword the way I want it done. Yeah, and then 
it's so easy just to do it because it takes longer to train somebody else. You know, we see this as a, <clears throat> as a child. Anybody that has a child knows this. You can ask your child to go do something. Yep. And then you sit there and you think, well, just forget it. I'll just do it myself. <clears throat> I can do it quicker. Just forget about it. Instead of taking the time to invest in them and to let them know this is the way that it should be done. This is where this is at. This is how it needs to be done. We say to ourselves, just forget it. I'll just yep. do it myself. Yep. Instead of taking the time to invest in their little lives. That's your child. Now tie that in to what if the Lord, what if the Lord looked at you and said, you know what? I just do. I just, you know, it's not worth my time. Mm. It's not worth my time. What if the Lord looked at you and said that? Think about that. That's sad. Mm. Well, think about what he did. Think about what he did. He could have left heaven, mm-hmm. came to earth, and saved us all in one fell swoop. He could have. Oh, he yeah. could have sent a bunch of pigeons to save us all. But, yeah. but what he chose to do is come in the flesh, yep. show up, mm-hmm. and he chose to spend three and a half years with 12 crazy men yep. and investing in them for the purpose. And he told them, this is why I'm spending time with you, hmm. because I want you to see, I want you to do greater things. Than me. This is why I'm spending time with you because I'm going to make you fishers of men. This is why I'm spending time with you because you are going to take the gospel to all the ends of the earth. And I'm going to be with you yeah. while you do it. And mm-hmm. so what a, that's, a, that's a paradox to today's leadership model, especially yeah. in the churches that we see, is that you guys watch me perform, follow me on social media, Put me on the stage, put me in the lights, put me at the center. And people, this is my pet peeve, why does your ministry have to be named after you? Come on. <laughs> Stop putting your name on everything. You don't own it. And, and, and it's this narcissistic American culture that wants to be at the center of everything. And we, Jesus said, Ouch. I come to empower you. In Acts chapter 1, he said this. He said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit I come upon you, and you will do this. You will take the gospel to all of the nations. Amen. Boy, that, that's strong. <laughs> that's strong. Woo. What about comfort? <laughs> oh, my goodness. What about comfort? Look, anytime you're going to invest in somebody, anytime that you're going to invest in the church, you're going to invest to make disciples it's going to be uncomfortable, and it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you your time. You're going to have to let that fear get out of your way. Yep. You're going to have to let success paralysis die, mm-hmm. and it's not going to be comfortable. Nope. There's going to be things that are going to come up when you talk about the hiccups, yep. the holdups, the mm-hmm. roadblocks, the things you've run into, the stumbles you've had. Yep. Man, when you went through them, they weren't comfortable then. Mm-hmm. What are you trying to do? What's your ultimate goal? Mm. Is you're trying to get them over the hurdles that you stumbled on. Mm. You want to see them, when they get to that hurdle, just leap over it and just keep hammering down. And that and they look back and they're like, hmm, thank you, Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Comfort. Man, it's comfortable just to, sometimes it's comfortable just to do it yourself. Yep. Man, I can just, I can just do this. Oh, man. Oh, I got this. This ain't no problem. I'm comfortable in this yep. role. Nowhere in the Bible will you read where the Lord ever said, you are called to be comfortable. Nope. 
Matter of fact, he promises that we would need a comforter. Amen. So the only people that need a comforter are those that need comforting. And the only people that need comforting are the uncomfortable. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. That's awesome. Oh, goodness. So comfort, that's huge. So there's going to be things that are going to be uncomfortable for us, but we got to keep pushing on. Fight through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, but, you know, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but I love what Jamie said there is that that's why you were given the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. That's why the Holy Spirit was sent was right. to be that comforter in the midst of the heartache and the pain and the hurt in the uncomfortable situation. And you're going to find yourself in some uncomfortable situations. Absolutely. When you try to witness to somebody, it might be uncomfortable. It might be uncomfortable. There may be times, man, it just flows like a river. And then there's going to be times it could be very uncomfortable. Absolutely. And it's the same way in sowing into somebody's life. Yep. There's going to be times it's going to flow like a river. And there's going to be other times it's going to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. because it's going to get up in your junk. Absolutely. It's going to be rough. So let's mm-hmm. cover a couple of these others, Aunt, uh, yeah. and then and then we're going to close out for the day. Um, we do try to keep these at 20 little bit plus minutes, um, <laughs> but it's tough. We get really in really good, rich conversation. It's hard to keep it. But then I, I do want to cover this one. And it's identity. Ooh. So many times we as leaders place our identity in our responsibility, our role, our mm. title. And when we lose tasks or duties or other people are rising up around us, it's almost like we lose a little bit of our identity. Mm. Um, and that, that ties into fear and comfort and the other piece and it also ties into the the whole empire mentality that i'm building my own little empire here and and we don't consciously think i'm building myself an empire we don't do that no but we over time we develop this this sense of identity where that the way things are the way things are the things you're responsible for the things you do the things that people look to you for it becomes our identity and when we release those things, we release a little bit of who we are. Mm. And so as a believer, as a follower of Christ, our identity should not be anchored in our responsibilities, but in Jesus Christ alone. Yeah. I like the, you know, it's a beautiful <clears throat> sermon, the identity of who are you mm. in God? Are you who you are in the Lord or, you, or who are you in, in the world? Right. And it goes back to the fingerprint. You have a unique fingerprint. Yep. Everything about you is unique. If God loves you so much that he took so much time in the creation of you, everything about you was created to be unique. Mm-hmm. Your identity is unique. And, you know, in life, we can let the fingerprint of the world come into our lives. Right. And it can take over mm-hmm. our lives. And it can try to change who we are. Sometimes we try to change who we are. So the biggest question is whose fingerprint is on you? Mm. Is it the fingerprint of the world or is it the fingerprint of God? Whose fingerprint is on you? Who do you identify? What's your identity in God? And I think that's important to think about. Because, man, who I am, (laughs) this is tough. Your identity is it, it's 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 who you are, but everything about you is 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 if you're in the will of God, it's it can be so beautiful. But if you're in outside of it and you're living in this sinful nature, man, you're oh, mm-hmm. you're just so it's just so corrupted. Whose fingerprints on you? Mm. 
Mm. So, and, and, and that's, that, that's a warning shot, I think, to all of us as leaders to take a self-analysis and see if, are we identifying ourselves with our roles and responsibilities? Is that truly our identity as pastor or deacon or Sunday school teacher or whatever your title may be? If, you know, and maybe it's the workplace, you know, wherever that's at. But don't let your don't let your your identity be in your responsibilities. But let your identity be and 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 add value to those around you every day when you wake up in the morning. Make it an intentional effort to add value to those around you. Celebrate their success. Celebrate their wins. Now we're going to get into some details as we go uh, through this series on. What is leadership pipeline? What is a leadership pipeline? How do we develop leaders? What do we do as a church in, in the context of a church plant? How are we going to develop and deploy leaders? And we're getting ready to walk down that journey. We're in this phase of our church plant. This is going to be interesting because we're doing it live. <laughs> so... Guys, uh, uh, stay tuned. Uh, more to come next week. We will we will probably dive into some of the what. Uh, we'll go into the Jesus method of discipleship and kind of how he approached that and and draw some knowledge out of that that for to really inform ourselves and to grow and discuss it for our church plant in the context of that. And then we'll we'll just continue the conversation. And so enjoy. And until next time, guys, keep it real. Thank you for listening to The Real Life Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Please share a comment and follow us on Facebook. And until next time, keep it real.